Welcome to Bald Move Prestige, and welcome back to the American Gangster Podcast. It's been 15 years since American Gangster was released in theaters, and about five years since we released our podcast on it. A lot of new listeners have found us in that time, so we figured why not re-release it for their enjoyment. Now, we're pretty big fans of gangster movies, but uh, unfortunately when we say that, we usually mean Martin Scorsese gangster movies, since he's the only one still making them. But... You know, of course, they're always Italian gangster movies because, well, it's Martin Scorsese. That's why American Gangster was such a surprise for us. It feels like a classic gangster movie in a lot of ways, but it has a different perspective on the life. With Denzel Washington playing the real-life Frank Lucas, a Harlem heroin dealer forging his own path in the criminal underworld. He's excellent, as you'd expect. And then there's Russell Crowe, who plays a cop fixated on bringing the man down. Their cat and mouse relationship is a large part of what makes American Gangster such an enjoyable movie. This is the re-release for the anniversary. You can be the judge. Hey everybody, we're back for another commission podcast. This one is another from uh, multiple commissioning commissioner, uh, Jocks, Jocks, Jocks from Shoshpatal, Jah, jeez, Josh from Saxpatal, Saxpaha, North Carolina. <laughs> you, might... <laughs> that's it. He just wanted me to say his name is down. We're out of here. Accomplished. Uh, commission accomplished. Commission <laughs> uh, You might better know him as Anubis Twenty One on the forums. Uh, he's getting married on May twenty eighth, which I presume is the day in which this podcast will be released. Mm-hmm. Uh, his fiance's name's Jessica. They're getting married at the Riverbanks Zoo in Columbia, South Carolina. So we'll release this a little early if you want to stop That's by. Right. Everyone you can... crash the zoo and see how that goes for you. Congratulations, Josh. Uh, say hi to the hippos. Yeah. Uh, get in their enclosure. They love that. Um, <laughs> And they're going to be going on their honeymoon. So uh, Josh uh, commissioned this uh, a fort uh, so that it would come out at the time. Uh, he commissioned us to do the 2007 movie, Ridley Scott movie, American Gangster, starring Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe, mm-hmm. among many others. Yeah. I was entirely unprepared for the star power <laughs> <laughs> this movie threw at you at every frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me let me let me run through a partial list. Uh, you will see Chiwetel Ejiofor. Mm-hmm. You will see Cuba Gooding Jr. You'll see Josh Brolin, Ted uh, Buffalo Bill Levine, uh, Armand Asante, Riza from <laughs> the uh, the Wu Tang Band, uh, Idris. Fucking Elba is in this movie. Common is in this movie. Norman Reedus is in this movie. Yep. Uh, so many people, I just like, I just kept on like, oh my god, this is like the perfect bald move movie. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, what did you think of this film, Jim? Uh, I actually like this movie a lot. Uh, it's it's nothing new. Like you go into this movie and you watch it. If you've seen pretty much any Rise of a Crime Family type movie, Godfather, Scarface, any of those, you know what to what you're going to get here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so well done that it doesn't really matter. Like I. I think it was interesting maybe to see both sides of the equation here and how they come together at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, that made it, I think, worth the watch more than just, 
you know seeing great performances right uh but that's kind of how i felt yeah it's it's a lot like the godfather um especially with frank lucas being one of the great men you know like like uh, uh I, I use great men in quotation marks um and this is based on a true story but it's heavily heavily fictionalized yeah but the Frank Lucas here portrayed it seems like very much like the old man in Godfather, uh, the the uh, original Corleone, Vito. Um, yeah, Vito. That he he has a certain idea about how to treat this business like and to keep things at that level and to take care of the community and and yep. to you know put family uh, before everything and that serves as a effective armor throughout a lot of the film the where no one can believe that this unassuming guy who dresses like off the rack jc penny is worth a quarter of a billion dollars yeah and has stolen new york from the italian mafia mm-hmm. and the way he does it is amazing like i i because um i i've read enough stories about this infamous smuggling operation out of the golden triangle using Perhaps like I've I've read different ver- versions and I was trying to get to the bottom of the truth and it seems like it's all fictionalized and fantasticized. Uh, but like people were smuggling heroin inside autopsy GI corpses. People were smuggling heroin inside the body bags of GI corpses from Vietnam. Mm-hmm. People were smuggling heroin inside the coffins and especially can built fake coffins on in the pallets underneath the coffins. Like depending on how how gross you want to get a violation of a U.S. serviceman's body coming yeah. home slain from Vietnam. Uh, you can select which which version of reality fits your taste best. But the reality is, we're using this this um, this this cycle of death that was coming over from Vietnam to get heroin out out of uh, that area of the world and into the streets of America. Yeah, it's a fantastic hiding spot um, for smuggling because yeah, you know it's. You have to be a certain kind of person to even be willing, it. a yeah, to to even suspect that someone could be capable of doing that, and that you would and have... to be the person who could be capable of doing that, uh, you have a certain like built-in uh, security with it, right? Because yeah. most people aren't like that; they yeah. won't go rooting through uh, a corpse or right. rooting through even the coffin, you right. know, of a respected member of the military. So. I mean, it's a genius, genius plan. It's mm-hmm. disgusting and it's vile, mm-hmm. um, but it worked. I wonder because there, I, I got the impression that one of the reasons this worked so well is because Frank Lucas, maybe for the first time, harnessed the uh, the black men in the military. Right. That like you know they're conscripted and they're poor and they don't want to be here and they're kind of yeah. they're getting a, a, a shockingly like in numbers addicted to heroin. So fuck it, you know, like mm-hmm. I don't, it's, it's not like we're, it seems like the morale of fighting a just war, um, you know, I don't want to, I don't fucking want to, you know, politics, get into politics of fucking Vietnam War, but they they seem to hint that because when they showed his supply chain, it was all a bunch of black dudes. Yeah. Like from the cousin that kind of made it all happen to the military police that was helping a smuggling operation to the, to the cooks. Mm-hmm. And all that, they were all kind of in on it, and everybody's getting their, you know, the wheels greased along the way. And the other crazy thing is how good the profit margins were. Yeah. The, the, the people had been buying this stepped-on product from the Italians and from a lot of cases the police. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know 
if the the end of this movie is accurate, but they state as a fact that three-fourths of the vice cops in New York City were on the fucking dole. Yeah, that's fucking insane. It is crazy. It is crazy. Um, but it's what it's what happens when this much money gets injected into something that is – and treated like a political criminal problem when it's essentially a moral ethical one. Sure, yeah. Um, it'd be like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to stay out of politics here. But anyway, I, I, I really enjoyed the fact that he, you know, it's like, well, instead of doing that, we'll just go, we'll eliminate the middleman, go right to the source. And he paid, I mean, what, $500 a kilo to start out with? If that's, if that's numbered to be believed? I think so. I'm, I can't remember the exact number, but it was incredibly and cheap. Then, and then selling that whole – he was actually wholesaling it too. Yeah. He wasn't – or no, I'm sorry, retailing it. He wasn't right, just right. taking a wholesale cut. And then – Yeah, he brought in his family. Towards the end, he starts bringing in the Italians, and they're buying and being his distributors throughout the rest of the United States. Right. So he's retailing and wholesaling at that point? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And and still making really good margins on the wholesale. But so. it's, it's, this, um, it's this mashup of The Godfather and like those – state kind of kind of like i want to say stately or important and you know you got these pictures of these guys he bought this big mansion he's moving his family in there and it's kind of shades of veto setting up shop and his mall mm-hmm. um and then you've got you know those uh you've also got a bunch some some little bit of the untouchables and that richie you know can't be bought like the first mm-hmm. scene in the, mo- the movie we yeah. see him turning in a thousand dollars of unmarked drug money Yep. Which made him a target in his department because that's the kind of man you can't trust to look the other way. If he's so uncorruptible that that falls in his lap. Um, and they kind of hint that maybe his partner, uh, who's also working vice and who's also straight arrow, um, kind of went off the deep end because of that. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, he he got him into a situation that uh was potentially risky i guess mm-hmm. like this is a mentality i completely don't understand this idea that you know if you're a cop and three quarters of the department is dirty and you turn in money mm-hmm. um they consider you untrustworthy so like i mean i understand the, the logic it's 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 the, it's mad max bizarre crazy logic right it, it right tracks. yeah i i can't imagine how that comes to be just how it is in a mm-hmm. police department like presumably i mean i know it happens over 100 years you know right. where it slowly drifts toward corruption because people are greedy and people are weak and right. uh maybe and, they don't get paid enough you know and they like do the a wire, dangerous job what the wire tries to teach you is it's it's the systems and institutions that are corrupted and gone bad and then you put new people into it and unless you fix those systems right they're going to get them. bit and because like like I, I imagine that like 75 percent of those cops weren't bad people mm-hmm. they're probably more like well fuck you know why am i going to get killed out in the streets and and not take this money when everybody else in the department is doing it. And, and when Josh Brolin comes knocking on my door and says, "Hey, fucker, we're going to kill your ass unless right. you take this money." Right. Uh, there's a lot of incentive. By the to way, do Josh it. Brolin is a cop in this circumstance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he's just the actor, Josh Brolin. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I, I, I've seen Hail Caesar. That's not out of character. I guess I understand the rationale. I just. I cannot see how a system gets so fucked up. Yeah, because you think, as in the beginning, it's got to be like a couple of guys, right? But you think of this like, like in Narcos, mm-hmm. where 
you know, it's not that like, hey, you know, like some some uh, Goomba slides up and says, hey, man, take this $5,000. And the cop says no. And the Goomba's like, oh, man, and goes home. <laughs> that guy probably gets killed. Right. Like it's, you know, the, the gold or the silver lead, like, you know, the Pablo Escobar. Uh, so it's like it gets to a point where you have to have a real hero not taking the money or people yeah. that are essentially martyring themselves to fight that government corruption, which is why yeah. it's so hard. Why, why the tendency is always towards corruption, not away from it. It's mm-hmm. like, it seems like it gets more slowly, more and more corrupt until some kind of crusading force sweeps it all clean. And then yeah. it goes back to where it was and then slowly creeps again. Right. Right, right. And you know, I think every country that has any kind of democracy has some kind of, corruption brewing oh sure at all times i but, mean obviously like do i think that zero percent of the new york city cops are right now on the dole <laughs> no no <laughs> I, I think a hundred percent no i think it's somewhere between zero and a hundred percent somewhere <laughs> uh but they do a great job of establishing uh russell crowe's character richie yeah richie right uh as this ultra clean cop right mm-hmm. although he bends the rules and he breaks the rules and you know he's he may not be corrupt even though he uh plays it fast and loose with some of the protocols of of the department for instance the only way he finds this money in the first place is by breaking the law and going into this trunk without a warrant right um at the beginning of the movie you start with a vicious beating from Richie delivered to a guy who doesn't seem to deserve it a guy that he is simply there to serve the papers right mm-hmm. knock on the door throw it in and leave, go mm-hmm, home. Mm-hmm. But instead, they knock on the door, they throw it in, they kick the door in, and they beat the guy senseless. Right. And I don't understand why. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just maybe there's some some just built-in history here that I don't understand. But uh, I thought it was a little – it undermined a little bit, like, his virtuosity, right? Well, you also have – you know something that the the wire later um well i guess these are contemporary contemporaries of each other but the mcnulty character yeah how you've got i, I guess that people just won't buy an elliot ness who is just incorruptible ever since the word uh-huh. he's a family man he plays by the book he won't of course you know fucking untouchables is all about elliot ness finally bending the rules because sean connery teaches him to chicago way and that's when they start winning the war so fuck me i guess i'm it's always been this way but yeah like he's the mcnulty school like he is this superlative cop who can't be touched but he's also a, a shit human being in every other category and yeah the one the one improvement i guess is that like there's this one scene in the court where you know carlo gu gu gino i think so yeah. um who's always fantastic she's mm-hmm. the wife or soon to be ex-wife of richie he makes this point where like he leans over to her at, right before the trial to, to settle custody is to begin with this kid. And he's like, look, I understand that I haven't given you the life that you want because I didn't take the dole. And she's like, mm-hmm. you stupid son of a bitch. It was never about that. It's the fact that you are a terrible husband and a terrible father and you lie about everything. And you cling to this one thing that you're pure and innocent to allow you to feel better about everyone else. Yeah. And um, I thought that was like it really – and that one scene kind of recontextualized him as this kind of like sad human being because, yeah. you know, he never got the point of anything. Mm-hmm. But he's a really good cop. I think maybe by the end he does. You know, he he is he admits that he was a shit father and that he doesn't deserve the custody of this kid and he gives it up at the end. Mm-hmm. But like, um, yeah, maybe he's learned something. Although, 
lessons can be easily forgotten right very quickly right um but yeah i i guess hmm i'm trying to figure out where i land on richie because i don't I don't think he's a bad guy at heart, but he bends and breaks a lot of rules. Right. Even though there's that one rule he won't break. Right. And I I guess at some point, like, we've had this discussion about fighting fire with fire, essentially, right? right. When when such When something is so violent and stacked against you, um, how do you combat that within the rules of a system that right. isn't set up to, to combat it? Right. And I don't, I don't know. I mean... Maybe you have to pop a few trunks illegally. Maybe you have to do or some of these things. You maybe not try to fight the substance use problem by criminalizing sure, yeah. it. That's always like yeah, that's, but that's, that's underneath okay. the whole. You know, we got to do our ball. I got I got to do my. You got to do your thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I know it's not necessarily your cause, but god damn, when you see Nixon declaring a war on drugs, yeah, it's stupid. Contemporaneous with the Vietnam War. Uh-huh. Like fucking imagine if we were still in Vietnam fighting, and every day, every month yeah. we lost like three hundred or a, a, a three four thousand U.S. servicemen, and it's just another number. That we're that's that is we are fighting a war from Vietnam era that we haven't ended. It's the war on drugs, yeah. And we every eight years or so we just double down on it and like we gotta fight harder. Mm-hmm. Fucking street price of heroin is like in the basement. Let's go. Let's go. You know, do a couple rip and rolls. Like, it's it's so fucking insane. It's so fucking insane. Yeah, it's stupid. It's not the way to combat that problem. And the thing is, like, I understand because they, they also do a really good job in this movie of, like, um, really showing the horrors yeah. of a country gripped in the heroin epidemic, which mm-hmm. we are going through yet another heroin epidemic in this country. And it's it's vile. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. It's It's bad. It's... Parents overdosing over their babies' bodies. It's yeah, it's horrible. It's it's addicts shooting up in abscesses and losing their limbs, and it's it's just it's terrible. It's 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 a horrible blight. Um, but it's weird. It's like if you had a uh, you know, if, if you had like a fucking outbreak of leprosy to try to outlaw leprosy and like round right. up and, and and it's just I don't know. And and then what's really frustrating is that. In the 21st century, other countries have chosen to handle it in different ways and, the, and, and give treatment options rather than criminalization, yeah. and it's proven to work. They've had much better success. It's not like, well, we, 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 it's either this or nothing. There's, a, yeah. there's, there's a, tons of things we could do, but at this point, the system's so calcified and there's so much money. Like, I thought it's funny that like even Richie at one point is like, I don't think they want this thing, this, this thing to ever end. I don't think they want drugs to stop. Everyone's making too much money off of it. Right. When three quarters of your police department is making essentially uh, a living off of cutting this stuff down, taking the drug money, like yeah. selling it back to them, that, that isn't going to stop yeah. until what Richie does, which is essentially cut out the heart of this problem here right. from the police department. And I, I mean, that obviously doesn't, stop it uh long term but in the short term it helps but also gives a taste of like you know what if you know why is the drug trade that's one of the things that's meditated on the wire too like why isn't the drug trade more like any other business well because it happens outside the rule of law so you get an organization like stringer bell's outfit or like you know uh frank lucas's outfit and eventually it'll be taken over by someone who takes the same model and just uses violence to take it over yeah um and starts dropping bodies and i don't know it's that's the thing it's like so bleak and depressing to see 
us struggling with a, a, a something that's that's fifty years old, and that and that that you can with a story like I, I guess drives me crazy. Like our attorney, our current attorney general is going like, oh, I want to go back to mandatory minimums and 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 punish criminal and not be soft on crime. And it's just like, damn, damn. Um, why it'd be like. I just can't imagine, like, if Vietnam was still going on, like, if someone said, we got to hold the commies here, like, it would just be, like, like the Berlin, Berlin Wall's falling, you stupid fucker. What the hell's going on? <laughs> All right, have I talked enough about drugs and how stupid it is that we're still fighting this? Apparently not. Well, I think it... Because we're still fucking doing it. I mean, it's important, right? And, and, it's, and it's heavily uh, mixed into this movie. You can't watch this movie without thinking about it. And, right. And I, you can even go back to, like, Bumpy, who at the very beginning of this, you know, dies. But mm-hmm. before he does, he says uh, he's lamenting the fact that, you know, things have changed since his day and how, right. like, you can't find the heart of anything to stick the knife in is one mm-hmm. of his lines. And it feels very much like he's talking about the drug war there, essentially. Right. Like, how do you stick the knife in the heart of this problem? Well, you're using the wrong tool, sure. right? Yes, <laughs> Uh, the knife is not what you need. Maybe you need a bandage over the wound instead of making right. another wound. It's, right. Uh, I don't know. I think there are a lot of things to, to think about in relation to that kind of stuff in this movie. We'll be right back with more Bald Move after this brief pause. And now, back with more Bald Move. Uh, it also has a lot of, like, Goodfellas into it because there's, like, we were talking about yeah. all the... Like the same lessons that Robert De Niro was trying to impress upon people, like not flashing your cash and living a certain while, like mm-hmm. Frank does here. Like you know, he 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 sees his because he goes and hires all of his cousins and brothers and brings his whole family up, and they have this big house and it's really awesome. And he's got all this property in New York, but he catches one of them dressing like Huggy Bear from Starsky and Hutch, uh-huh. and it suddenly it's like you're getting the sunglasses slapped off your face. Called the fucking simple Simon. <laughs> There's uh, there's there's blood in alpaca rugs that's that 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 got to be fucking blotted, not rubbed uh, um, yeah. in in what and it's funny is because this is probably one of the heavily fictionalized fictionalized accounts. But um, at one point, Frank's wife gets him this. I It's just an awesome <laughs> mink coat and matching hat chinchilla. It's chinchilla. Oh, is it chin- yeah. yeah. $50,000 chinchilla coat. Yeah. I don't know what the hat costs, but and wow. He go- and he goes to a, a a boxing match. I can't remember who uh, was up for the, the – what was it, uh, Ali? It was Ali it? and Frazier, I think, was the fight, yeah. Yeah, and, and that in the movie is what brings him the first attention because yeah. R- Richie's smart enough to be like, who is this fucker in a $50,000 mink coat, glad-handing everybody, knows everybody, sitting ringside for this big fight? I mean, part of it's on him sitting ringside, right? Right. I mean, that's a little flashy. But you know what? If you wore J.C. Penney, right. still, because that's the other thing is he also had racism working for him because there was just flat out so many people's like, no fucking way. Oh, yeah, yeah. A black man is running New York City. Right. It's just, no, it's not happening. Yeah. Uh, that was a cover for a while. Yeah. Certainly. I- the fact he lived mild-mannered, he didn't flash his cash, and he only had his family, so... You know, he built it, uh, and they made that a point, too. He built it intentionally modeled after kind of an Italian mafiosa situation where you only trust yeah. your blood. And it seemed like he got that from Bumpy. Yeah. Um, he he kind of, you know, grew up as his driver and, and learned a lot from him. Although I, I have – so he certainly is trying to live less flashy than a lot of people around him. However, I have to say, 
maybe the most flashy thing someone can possibly do is walk up to someone and put a bullet in their head in the middle of a crowded street in broad yeah. daylight. Yeah. That is flashy as fuck. And then then you leave the murder weapon on them and then go back just a block away to finish your breakfast. Right. But I also think he was making a point to his family. Like, I already yeah. run this place. Yeah. But still, pretty fucking flashy. Pretty flashy. <laughs> pretty flashy there, Now, I guess uh, the other thing is, like, that's in Harlem, uh-huh. which I think is, like, at the heart of his, like, that was, like, Bumpy's old territory that he's taken over, yeah. and he's fought, like, uh, Idris Elba, who he murders in that scene, was, like, one of the the rivals mm-hmm. that were trying to take over from Bumpy. He was. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, dropping dropping a body like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Idris had it coming. Sure. Um, but he probably should have done it in, like, a back room. But I, I don't well, know. That, I mean, that's the thing. You, like, also got a, you also got a glass jar. Did you got fingerprints all over? Did you leave in a tip? Like, yeah, everything yeah. was just crazy ostentatious with this murder. But it, it was, was a hell of a scene. It was it's a hell awesome of a scene. scene. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, I can just believe that people would be so gangsters in these movies and I think a little bit in real life have kind of a love-hate relationship with their communities, right? Like they are both intimidating figures within the community and also beloved figures. Right. Um, and it depends on who you talk to, but I think he's got a little bit of both of those things going for him. Like people love Frank in his community because he's just like Bumpy, right? He's throwing 14-pound turkeys on people's heads mm-hmm. in the winter uh, before Thanksgiving. Uh, he... You know, he seems to be a man of the people here, but on the other hand, there's also a lot of fear, I think, that's mm-hmm. driving this. And they know that if you cross Frank, this is what happens to you. You get mm-hmm. shot in broad daylight in the street. So maybe these people, maybe nobody rats, maybe nobody saw anything, you know? Right. Oh, no, I, I didn't see anything. Right. Cops, Richie comes calling. Uh, it's just, hmm. Yeah, he's a little flashy there. Do you think, because I thought the structure of this film is very Godfatherian. Uh, the look mm-hmm. is also, like, I don't, I don't, I tried to research to see why the Godfather looks like the Godfather, like it's printed on fucking gold. Uh-huh. Uh, but I've, I've realized in my television watching that I'm by it, the more something looks like the particular film grain and stock of the Godfather, uh-huh. the more I think it's good. Okay. Yeah. Like, like there's like purely to it. yeah, there's purely choices and like well, how you 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 film and print these things that automatically give you an Aaron bias or not. Mm-hmm. And this thing's got the Godfather, the Godfather look and feel down just. Um, but even the structure, they're like so. Like if this is the Black Godfather, which impl- like almost like a negative image. Mm-hmm. Also, thought it was interesting that the structure is somewhat flipped. Like the Godfather yeah. famously opens with the big wedding. Um, whereas this opens with the big funeral mm-hmm. and then to- the introduce the third act, the Godfather has the funeral, a right. veto, and then this has a wedding, yeah. a Frank, that introduced the third act. And I thought, do you think that that was intentional by Ridley Scott because hmm, to, to like, you know, kind of flip the Godfather script a little bit, but also pay it homage or is it just the historical luck of the draw? Uh, I don't know. I, I haven't gone behind the scenes on this thing um so i'm not sure but i could see you know if i'm a creator and i want to kind of cinematically uh visually tell you that this is the downfall of the italian mob in new york oh flipping you might take like one of the most iconic pieces of italian uh crime family cinema in history and flip it on its head right that might be a good good way to do it. it yeah i can see them doing that 
Um, what else do we want to talk? I mean, I've got a bunch that I want to talk about, but I'm trying to see. Um, the because I, I want at one point I want to talk about the, a weak point of the movie and whether it is even a weak point or not. Okay. Do you have anything more you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, I've got a bunch of other stuff, just like specific scenes that I wanted to say how awesome they were essentially okay well, um, so if we're gonna get to that point and like uh do you mind uh if i start off no go for it how about the weekend at bernie's that, that's what i was to gonna talk his, about to get yep. his partner out of the oh, shooting so gallery good. so good <laughs> that's a great scene the guy that they got to play the body no, i felt like acted the shit out of that like his yeah. face and his kind of blank <laughs> stare and everything was like but kind of calmed and composed it was really Funny and tense because oh, like oh yeah that was real tense I mean because you got so the the scene is um a, a Richie's partner has just murdered like he's he's an undercover officer but he's killed a drug dealer over drugs right and everyone in the projects knows that there's a dirty cop in here that just killed somebody and they're yep. super fucking angry about it mm-hmm. and Russell Crowe as uh, Richie just goes in there with two paramedics and armed with nothing but guile uh, because they won't send him the backup he needs because he took the or he didn't take this money right the cops like, are all like these guys are persona non grata so yeah. like oh we got no units in that area <laughs> right which that's the thing like Hmm. They don't have to kill you. They can just right. not give you backup when you need it. Right. And know that the streets are so violent. Because, you know, that's the thing. Like, New York City in the 70s, legendary yeah. for how violent and unsafe it was. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's – that's uh, and, and he, he, he gets him out of there. And then um, – but then, like, holds the guy accountable, too. Like, I thought that there was going to be, like – this, that story is going to be like he he looks the other way and then his partner gets killed and he's going to get tortured by it. Nah, Richie wasn't having it. Yeah. As soon as he gets in the ambulance, he's like just telling this guy like, "Hey, I'm not going to back up your bullshit story about shooting this guy. Fuck you." Yeah. <laughs> but then he just jumps out of the ambulance. <laughs> right. Never to be seen again. I don't think so. I think he's just out of the movie at that point. <laughs> the, I mean, it actually, so this is the first time I've seen this movie. Me too. I can't believe it because. Um, but yeah, I just I can't I don't understand why I've not seen this movie before, and I feel like it needs to be seen multiple times to fully appreciate it. Mm-hmm. There's also a director's cut that's 30 minutes longer. Oh right, which I'm very curious about about seeing that as well. Um, and also, so if those 30 minutes need to be in there, why aren't they in there? You're already talking about mm-hmm. a two hour 38 minute movie. Like if you're American, if you're making American Gothic like this, and you already have the Godfather hanging out there, which is not exactly svelte. Go for it, Ridley. What the hell? <laughs> See, I felt like they could have cut ten minutes out of this oh, you movie. Thought it felt a little bloated. A little bit, yeah. I think there's a plot line that doesn't need to be okay, there. Okay, tell hit which one. Uh, I think it's the stuff with his kids, like Rit- or yeah. his kid. I I really don't know that that needs to be there. Also, it just makes it. It just makes him out the hero. The the secondary protagonist out to be an asshole. Yeah. I, I I guess I just didn't see the point other than it's not the, it's, it's like the minor point of saying Richie's not all good, right? Which I suppose makes him more realistic, but certainly not more sympathetic. And it's just it's it's very short shrift given to that is, particular yeah. part of the story. Maybe there's a lot. Maybe in the, in the extra thirty minutes, there's a lot more scenes of him and his son, and like there that's, might be. that's a little bit more pathos to that. But if you're going yeah. to cut that deep, I'm kind of with you. Go ahead and cut the rest out. Yeah, because you already get the idea that he's not. First, he's a vice cop, and just American culture has taught us the vice cops. You know, 
They they wear pastel shirts and and white linen suits, uh-huh. and they drive Ferraris and they cut corners in in in, <laughs> in, in, in doing so. Uh, I don't think we need to see that he's a shit father and a shit husband to kind of understand that. Yeah, I think maybe the one other thing that potentially could be cut is the stuff where he's training to become a lawyer. Um, I, I don't... It was shocking to me that he is prosecuting this case at the end. Fucking shocking, because yeah. he's a guy who just got his... Just past the bar. I feel like, like what, you're right. maybe a year ago? That that needed more time because I, I And now like, he's prosecuting the biggest drug case of the seventies period? Like I, I but I I think that was a historical fact that they were trying and the fact that he on a secondary, unrelated drug charge that Frank later gets because Frank only did like five years for this. Did you know that? Wow. And I he know got they out got for out like or seven something. or he got yeah, he well he got out in the in the early eighties. And then he got picked up trying to like exchange a key for money and richie actually was his defender for that trial oh my god but he got like eight he got like eight years of that and then he got out for good in 91 man's still alive he's like 86 years old Uh he's my granddad's age you can get him on the show let's interview him yeah i'm gonna call frank and tell him (laughs) say give me the straight dope on this (laughs) he'll say i got six keys how much you need (laughs) god damn it stay don't die in jail okay don't die in jail. Plus, I don't touch that stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah. Um, shit, I forgot where I was going with that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it was shocking to me that they let him prosecute this case. But I guess oh, if it's yes. true to life, then. But but it's it, so I like the fact that it all kind of t- the fact that this guy that did so much legwork also did the case. Uh-huh. He's like law and order. He is. Um, and then he also like that added the little footnote at the end where he defended him. That wouldn't have made sense unless they established he had a legal a beginnings of a legal career. Right. But I agree. I don't understand why they had to show Frank being convicted at all. Like them, I did enjoy this is I, this is kind of getting. I'm gonna I'm gonna save a lot of this for the the final because this is I think another weak part of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I did enjoy like the five minute montage of them, of, of Frank cooperating and, and snitching yeah. a pair, I guess, on everybody. Man, I think that final, what it's not, it's hardly even a confrontation. It's almost like a a coming together of Frank and Richie at the end was the best scene of the movie. Yeah. Oh, I mean, those two guys in the interrogation room, right? Breaking Frank down, like. Just stonewalling the guy, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I am not going to budge. I know you think you have all this power. I just don't give a fuck. Well, so... Because I'm Richie. I was reading... There's an interview with Frank Lucas where he said he decided he was going to be an outlaw. And I think he's they're referring to this in the scene when he was an eight-year-old. That when he was eight years old, he saw his 12-year-old cousin be convicted and then executed in alabama for the crime of recklessly eyeballing a white woman jesus fucking christ so so a 12 year old wow was tried and convicted and and executed for essentially leering i mean if you want to take it the most extreme a 12 year old leered at a white woman but like if he maybe just stared at her for or maybe he just fucking glanced at her who the fuck knows how fucked up that i mean i've seen mississippi burning um I, I, I mean, it's hard to say. Well, there's where you fucked up. Yeah, you know, as an yeah. eight year old, you shouldn't have seen something like that. Right. I mean that that would that would permanently skew your ideas of just. And I kind of wish yeah. they had fit that scene in because 
I had a little bit of problem with his like his family who seemed like they were just like regular folk. Yeah. Um, and he comes calling and they're like, hell yeah, we'll help in the drug trip. Blow this fucker's head off, sure. And his his mom is in on But I guess like if they explain like that aspect of how he was raised and how probably everyone from that family has a story like that, it makes it seem it would make it seem more believable that they all just come in mass and be like, yeah, we're cool with this. Yeah, I actually think they should have included that maybe instead of the bumpy stuff. Because the bumpy stuff really only informs his attitude toward, you know, how he runs the business, right? And he showed he had a few ins, like he didn't didn't like he just fought True, his yeah. way. He showed up in New York City and was like, I'm going to fucking knock off the mafia. Yeah. And bada-ding, bada-boom. Like he started with a, like a, he, he took over his mentor's firm grasp of Harlem and just kind of struck out from there. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, that, at least add that in. Maybe the thirty extra thirty minutes have that. Like maybe. that would be hilarious if every single flaw that we're talking about is answered <laughs> in the director's cut. Uh huh. Um, but I thought that. In fact, another great scene is where his mom is pleading with him not to go out and kill a cop. Yeah. Because yeah, she's like, she's like, Drew, she's like, first off, she starts with the mom, and then she's kind of like begging to plead, but then she got gets tough. She's like, look. Everyone like these boys would do anything for you because you're smart enough to know that killing a cop just can't, is, is is something you can't do. And if you do that, she's going to leave you. And he, he points she points to his like just drop dead gorgeous wife. And then at the end, I think that she slap him and says, "And I will leave you." Mm-hmm. Like every, like the whole like we we'd have to to cut ourselves free just to save the family from you. Yeah. Um. And that's the thing, like. That's the other thing you don't get about these fucking criminals, man. Like, it seems like in the first month or two, he probably made enough money for his family's family's family to die wealthy. Yeah. Why not just cash out or flip this to Cuba? Yeah. Like, okay, I just made $100 million. Here you go, Cuba. Here's the keys to the golden triangle. I'm out. <laughs> right. I'm out. Yeah, but that's, that's fucking the way can't to go. Because he might have never been caught because they weren't even looking for him. Yeah. Like he gets out at the right time, the Italians take the fall for it. He gives he, he flips the keys to Armada Assad and yeah. says, "Yeah, you take it. You you, you did, here's the here's the keys back here. Let the Italians take the fall." I don't I don't I'll never understand. It's greed, why. man. But it's but greed. what is greed? What the fuck does greed even mean? More. But people, why? People want more. Why? There's no reason. There's no reason. You've got enough. You don't need any more. But they want more. So it's a psychological disease. I think so. Yeah. It's like an addiction. Like any like greed is, is 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 some kind of addiction that we have in that's not on the DSM five because it makes what the economy go. I I don't know. I I just that's the thing. Yeah, like, I mean it's probably you know tied in with some more basic uh, <laughs> kind of primal stuff with us too. Yeah, I don't know because I I get it like not being okay. I got a hundred thousand. I I it's like where do you where is enough? Like because right. it seems like you know if you're a family and you get your mortgage paid off, is that enough? Okay, you put your kids in college. Is that enough? You've got a million dollars in the bank. Is that enough? You have a hundred million in the bank and a foundation and like, like <laughs> at some point, like I get it. Like I don't, I, I never want to be on in anyone's thumb. And if someone's got more money than me, than that. But on the criminal side of it, they also have to be aware of there's a, there is a debt that they're accumulating. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just they're making money like in a Bill Gates, you know, Warren Buffett sense of word. They're also incurring the societal debt. Yeah. They keep running up and running up, and it can take everything from them. Yeah. But they act like it's, you know, I don't get I don't know. I, I don't get it. I mean, it's the same reason that I think people continue to to gamble well past their means, you know? 
Well, that too like, is we we acknowledge that as an addiction, you right? Know? Right, and I think these people, you know, they're inherently some some of them might be addicted to the risk in in and of itself. Right, uh, that's just what does it for them. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. If it were me, you know, that first ten million, I'm good. Like I'll sell, I'll sell what ten keys, maybe make that. I don't that's know. The thing is, like you can make that. How money much so were they making? Fast. Yeah, like I kind of. Sell that first batch and get into something legit. Like it shouldn't that be like this should this should be like the Sith. You have one guy who's getting the heroin like straight up from the supply from 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 Afghanistan probably nowadays. Uh-huh. Uh you make a hundred million in the first year and then your second command <laughs> you tell him, Go find another second command, here's the keys to the thing, I'm out. And yeah. you just do that every six months or so. No one ever gets caught, you make a ton of money. Uh-huh. I don't know. No one has to die. Or we could just legalize it and <laughs> treat it like a medical problem. Yeah. And then, then the criminals wouldn't be getting rich and our streets wouldn't run red with blood. But <laughs> then people would get away with something. Those fucking addicts would get away with their crimes. <laughs> but they wouldn't be crimes, though. Well, they'd still be doing something that people doesn't don't think they should do. Oh, like, yeah. why why should they be able... Why, like, if, if you outlaw heroin, then then parents won't kill themselves in front of their children. They'll never happen. Well, I guess we can't have that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, uh, not going to start that again. Uh, you know who who's the most vicious uh, the most vicious killer of all? It's it's Frank. I mean, yeah, he he kills Idris by shooting him in the head, but he's he really sets about a man on fire. He sets a man on fire and then shoots him as well. I guess so. They, he's like he splits the difference between like Vlad the Impaler and J- Merciful. Like, well, okay, I, I'm going to burn you, boy, for five seconds. Right. You got. Yeah, I got to punish you, <laughs> right. and then I got to kill you. Right. Uh, but no, I, I feel like the real crime is maiming people on Thanksgiving. And I know I brought this up briefly, but I really want to talk about it because throwing 14 pound turkeys into a crowd of people with their arms well, outstretched, and they have to be frozen, or you're, they've got to be you're frozen. killing them with salmonella. Right, so you're dropping frozen 14-pound blocks, like cinder blocks, on people's heads. Yeah. Grandmas in the street are not going to be able to catch this shit. Yeah, just... He is hurting people. Just take the same scene, have Uh all the people with their arms outstretched, and then Frank, instead of throwing butterballs, is throwing bowling balls at them. (laughs) Right. That's an entirely different scene. Yeah. You can't eat a bowling ball. No, uh-uh. And, but, but, I mean, as far as easy to catch and damage it will do to you (laughs) if it hits you, it's the same. Also... they were frozen. They're still, like, mostly frozen, but now they have that nice layer of condensation on the outside. Right. To where they're starting to thaw, and so, so they're extra right. slippery. Right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> it's like trying to catch a sheet of ice between your fi- your, your fingers. Right. You can't eat that turkey when you have no teeth. No. Mm-mm. So I guess put your head down or, and over or, the or de- or de- Yeah, you, de- depre- you, you take your dumb uncle, you put uh-huh. him on the front lines... Turkey hits his skull, depressed skull fracture. <laughs> He's never going to be right again. But then someone else grabbed that 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 blunts it enough that oh, grandma can catch it. Man, yeah, I couldn't believe what I was seeing when he started throwing turkeys. Yeah, it's it's not a good look, man. <laughs> no, it's not good, Frank. Nope. Slow bled turkeys, Frank. <laughs> Can't freeze them. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? Because I still have I still have the I still have a bit of the problem. Well, I. So I like how in reserve. Um there's this idea that I don't I don't often see voiced in these kind of movies. Okay. Um 
this idea of unintentionally pissing people off who you have like sort of collateral damage right mm. like there there are a lot of people that frank has pissed off and some of them are are evident like idris elba in this movie obviously right. is pissed at frank the entire time but there are a lot of people who he didn't even realize he was pissing off mm-hmm. um and eventually that kind of stuff comes back to bite you and it's a it's just a concept i don't often uh see much of or hear much about so, like, what are you talking about? Are you talking about Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah. being resentful that he got you know, kind of boxed out by Frank when the mm-hmm. the bumpy th- stuff? I mean, it's kind of Fredo, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, that you've got this person that you thought you were taking care of, and they're just resentful because they're being treated at like they're sitting at the kids' table. Yeah. And they also, because of the Dunning-Kruger effect, they have no idea that they're actually kids. All they, you know, they eat. Yeah. That's because, well, stop putting mashed potatoes up your nose. You can sit with the big kids. But, yeah, stop wearing those glasses and those robes and hat, and you can sit at the table. Right, right. Like, I don't think Frank would have cut him out if it weren't for his flashy style. Well, also the fact that, like, this other kind of criminal naivete that, like, if you cut the deals and you spend the money that you're still nobody like you – is going to decide that they can do your job bigger and better. Uh-huh. Like, because there's a point where I think the Italians come to kind of try to crack back on them. Yeah. Because, yeah, you're you're paying you wholesale prices, but they know what you they know how much you're paying for it, and they know your connection, and they want that for themselves. Mm-hmm. So, and you don't, it's not like you can file a patent on smuggling heroin on dead U.S. soldiers. Like, so yeah. you have no rule of law that you can appeal to. So... Like, I I thought that was almost, like, tragically naive, the fact that he thought that he would get to a certain level and be the king in New York and no one would come after him. Uh Uh-huh. But he clearly, clearly felt that way. Mm -hmm. Um, He also, like, I kind of amazed at how relatively unguarded he walked around. He kind of had a driver who was his protector, and that's it. Yeah. Which I guess that reminds me a lot of Vito also. Like, he went around a fucking Fredo, of all people, Mm -hmm. as protection... Which got, got his ass shot. shot streets, to be yeah. fair, he was supposed to have the one guy that came down with the the uh, the came down with the sickness. Oh, who right. I never, I've never Did decided. He? I've, I mean, I know we debated this on the podcast, and I'm still not sure whether we're supposed to understand that he he was in on it, or it's, yeah. it seems likely with the with the uh, the hit on the Godfather that day that he probably was in on it. Yeah. But that's the thing about these. It's like whether he was or not. Maybe he just had his sniffles that day, and Salazzo wanted to take a shot that day. Um, but, you know, that's the thing about working for criminals is there's not really due process. There's no HR department. Right. I mean, it can something can happen, and you can just look bad for you, and yeah. that's it. Yeah. Like, hey, I want to talk about your absence the other day. You know, uh, I don't, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but uh, when you were out sick— the boss got shot. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of questions we have in, in the employee manual that we have to ask. And you're going to have to put on a permit. No, you just get taken out with some cannolis. So The other thing is, I feel like Frank left a pretty obvious trail once you're on to him. Like, once you have an idea that this guy might be involved in something bad, yeah. it is so fucking easy to follow that trail back to How, so, his family spread throughout the boroughs, right? Oh, oh all of a sudden, his family, his oh, once, whole family yeah, shows yeah, yeah. up and establishes right. businesses in the, right, yeah. the area. Okay, that's flag one. Flag two, he has previous arrests. Flag three, he was the fucking driver and collector for Bumpy. Right. 
for years, years right. and years, and that's so easy to follow. Once the pieces are, but that's the thing about all these criminal conspiracies is like it seems like it's a theme that once the spotlight of the law is on you, once they've got the wiretaps, once they've got you under surveillance, once they're taking pictures and building yeah. the fucking corkboard hierarchies of your like you're <laughs> right. done. It's already too late. Like yeah, you, that's you, true. you might be able to just cash out and go to Belize, but mm. as far as dodging the bullet, you're not going to be able to do it because. Yeah. Um, you have to never. It, it's kind of uh, I because I I just recently rewatched The Wire, and there's this brilliant scene where, uh, in the f- first season, where Avon is going to visit his uncle who's in a nursing home because he was like made a vegetable by a bullet. I don't know. Hmm. I forget the exact story, but he's sitting there tell- talking to D'Angelo, and he's like, you know, how are you? It's like you know. You can't make a mistake. You can't. You you you, ne- you never can be too slow. You never can be too dumb. And then he starts and he's thinking about. It. He's like, but how are you ever going to live a life where there's not a day that you're not slow? Or there's not a day where you don't think. Or there's not a day where yeah. you're not quick enough. Or you're, you're not going to like. You're, there's not a day that you don't make a mistake. You, you're right. No one's perfect. So you will like all. All someone's got to do is it's it's like the, the cop following you until you make a turn of that signaling mm-hmm. writ large they're just going to follow you in real life until you fuck up they're going to get the warrant they're going to come in there and you've got this vast <laughs> how are you going to hide a vast global criminal exp- and, and i so i read another interview with the real life uh um frank lucas mm-hmm. and he's talking about how he had like these holdings all over america and he had all his property and he had all these accounts in Switzerland and in the Cayman Islands, and he's like, "Yeah, my lawyers used to say that like all oh, the money will always be safe because informed bank guys." Like he's like, "Shit, there ain't nothing safe once they start looking for it." They like, "Don't believe a word they say. They will like, if it's there. Yeah. It's like you start. You better hide it in the backyards and the hills because if it's in a bank <laughs> account, they will get it." Yeah, and so I guess this guy got left with nothing. So can I trans? Can I transition to? What I thought was a flaw of the movie, but I'm not quite sure about. Okay. And that is the final five minutes, which you seem to like a lot. But I thought it was very weird. It'd be like if in The Godfather, it ends with a shot of, you know, um, uh, Kate getting boxed out and then the door shutting on Michael getting his ring kissed. And then mm-hmm. officers descend and bust in his door, take him to prison, and then the next five minutes is Michael just turning state's evidence right. against every one of his lieutenants, and you know they mm-hmm. got they, they got all, everybody up on the board, and and he gets off with like a five year sentence or whatever. That felt weird. Title American Gangster, and he ends up just getting out by telling on everyone. And yeah. it was played like Richie and him were old buddies, which I almost could understand them having some kind of mutual respect, but the way they yeah. were just kind of laughing and like, oh, yeah, look, oh, we did some good work here, left me cold. Okay, I'm with you there. But then the final scene of him getting out in prison, it's like 1991, and he's this old man wearing, like, you know, what was probably a modestly priced or cheap suit back in the day, and he just gets out, and he's at now in the modern world, and he don't own shit, and he's broke. Mm-hmm. And his mom is probably dead, and his wife probably left him, and he's just there on the sidewalks alone. Uh-huh. I thought that was a pretty good. I mean, it's not triumphant, sure, but it does. It did a little bit towards like de-glorifying what came before it. We'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause. And now back with more bald move. 
Yeah, because that's the other thing about this movie that you can accuse it just like Godfather, just like Scarface, just like Goodfellas. It does glorify the lifestyle a bit. A little bit, yeah. Contrasting to the cop who is poor and his like this guy's got a family who loves him and he's rich and he's successful and this cop is barely getting by and he he looks like a fucking clown and his wife hates him his kids like you know what i'm saying like who do you want to be yeah until that until that last minute until that last scene right uh yeah i want to be frank lucas up until i don't know yeah richie's Richie's you know he's he's been a prosecutor and he's a defense attorney he's probably rich and he's probably he, he can he can uh you know walk out on the street without getting shot uh-huh. Or arrested, and you know, here's Frank gets out a broken man. I thought that was, yeah, like I said, I, I still like that 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 crazy ass snitching montage. Yeah, it's a little weird, but I think so. I won't say it's that this movie is as much about the dirty cops as it is about Frank's rise. I think it's it's more about Frank's rise, but it's also about the dirty cops. And I think the title American Gangster can also be sort of applied to them as well. Oh, true, yeah. Um, because Josh Josh Brolin did have a posse, yeah, and it, you know he was and getting turf. wealthy off of it. Turf, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think like seeing them brought down at the end was kind of important. Yeah, although and, I don't know that we needed to like see this buddy. But see, criminal the other thing, thing is that maybe this is all in the. But like, imagine if we open with Frank as an eight year old seeing his miscarriage of justice at the hands of this, you know, yeah, like, like the prosecutors and the cops and like all this bullshit, and then bookended with him. He's going down. He's going to take all that down with him. Yeah. Like, I almost like it better just with that knowledge in my head. If that right. if that was actually in the film, I think it would actually have felt like, oh, that's an actual really nice arc. And it also says something kind of positive instead of just mostly negative about America. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, that, no, I mean, this movie was – I was not – I mean, I, I don't know why I wasn't ready for it to be awesome because it's got Denzel Washington, one of our best <laughs> living actors, Ridley Scott, one of our finest living directors. Yeah. Um, but I was just amazed even that pedigree is how good it was and how, like, instant classic it felt. This movie's only 10 yep. years old, but it feels like it, – it really does feel like it's a contemporary of The Godfather, Goodfellas. Yeah, it stands up there with all of those, in my opinion. Um, I wanted to, do you have anything else? Cause I want to use, um, Josh's pre feedback here to springboard onto the latest, last thing I want to talk about. Okay. Uh, says my fiance, uh, and now wife, uh, congratulations has put up with my love of commissioning podcasts. So I thought I would commission one. That's a favorite for both of us. American gangster directed by Ridley Scott. With enjoy the acting, thinks one of Scott's most underrated films. Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe both give career performances. And I hope this commission will get more people to watch the movie. American Gangster is full of great actors. We both and we both love a good period film uh, since it's set in the '60s and '70s. Would love to hear what you guys think of it, and where would you place it in the pantheon of Ridley Scott films? Oh boy, uh, oh boy! So I want to take it a it's little so t- much different than a lot of these other stuff. So I, I I picked out the stuff that I think you and I probably have either both seen or you probably know of, or just kind of like a snapshot of Ridley's career. Uh, we're going to begin in 1979, Alien. Never seen it. That's <laughs> not true. 82 Blade Runner, 85 Legend. Have you seen Legend? Probably not. That's the, No, I haven't. That's Tim Curry as Satan and uh it's got a very young Tom Cruise. It's a, like a fable fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only saw it as a, you know, well years later because, you know, obviously with all those themes we wouldn't have seen as kids. 1991 Thelma and Louise. Have you seen that? Nope, I haven't okay. seen that either. 97 GI Jane. 
I haven't seen that either. Real? Okay, I know you've seen 2000 Gladiator. Hell yeah. 2001 Hannibal? Nope. 2001 Black Hawk Down. Yeah, holy shit, I didn't realize he did that. And that and he did Hannibal and Black Hawk Down in a single year. <laughs> wow. Incredible. 2003 Matchstick Men. Yeah, that's great. A really great Nicolas Cage vehicle. 2007 American Gangster. 2012 Prometheus. 2015 The Martian. 2017 we just got done reviewing Alien Covenant. Um man like what wow that it's it's really hard for me to to narrow it down because like i love the martian i've now seen american gangster that's great matchstick men is awesome black hawk down is awesome gladiator is awesome gi jane is awesome blade runner is awesome <laughs> aliens awesome awesome dumb and louise is like it's not my cup of tea but it's it's uh it's it's as well a great film um it's got to be in his top three though right Whew, I mean, top three, I I could definitely see Gladiator, Blade Runner, and Alien taking those spots. Yeah, that's true. Um, see, I, I feel like that stuff is more commercial, but maybe not Blade Runner. But, like, Alien, you know, Alien and Gladiator felt like they were, I, I guess all of his stuff feels like it's fucking commercial. I yeah, mean, he's not like yeah. an auteur, right? Like this, this American sure. guy is, is artful as hell. He makes big movies, but big. it's accessible. Like I'm, and then this yeah. thing made like two hundred six. Like his small, somewhat disappointing reaction film got two hundred eighty thousand, two hundred eighty million dollars in the box office. So yeah, uh, on a on a uh, on, on a budget of a hundred, I believe. Um, I don't like. I said it's. It, it's a great film, but, like, where it sits in that pantheon of a man who's had so much good work, hard to say. And how do you compare it to a movie like The Martian, which is right. sort of just matter of fact? Like, it it doesn't require any special flair to direct The Martian, right? Right. Uh, but it's such a great movie. I love that movie. It is. It is. And the same attention to detail and, and the, 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 that makes it great is the same stuff to make these others great as well. What about Exodus Gods and Kings? <laughs> yeah, I left that off. I haven't even seen it. I should. I've I mean, because that's the part thing, of like, it. It's, I didn't like it. I wish I was the type of person that was in on something because, like, oh, it's a Ridley Scott film. Of course I'm going to see that. Right. I haven't quite made it that. There's a couple, like, you know, what, like the Coens and Wes Anderson that are that are at that level, but. There's still a lot there where Christopher Nolan probably Nolan's probably like that as well, um, but I, I guess I admit I need to put Ridley Scott on that level because like I just yeah. ran, I just listed off more than a dozen films that are fucking home runs every single one of them. Yeah, I mean I I would put and this Legend is like the goofiest probably of them all, like somewhere around. I might go Blade Runner, Alien, Gladiator. You think Gladiator's better than American Gangster? I absolutely do not. Gladiator's pretty fucking broad. It's tough to say. I mean, Gladiator is one of those, you know, it came out in 2000. It's been 17 years. Uh-huh. Uh, it's had some time to stew and some time to become a classic. Right. This one I only just saw three days ago. So <laughs> sure. sure. <laughs> tough to say. Um, I think it's definitely... See, I really love Matchstick, man. I think it's that great. is an amazing movie. It is great. Black Hawk it- Down... I'm not like quite as big into war movies, so maybe it's better than Black Hawk Down. Uh, probably better than Matchstick Men and Black Hawk Down, and well, probably it, The Martian. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to put something over Alien and Blade Runner. Um, yeah, those are just classics in the genre. But I'm just looking, and I think I think it's it, it it's moved in its number three slot for me. 
Yeah. Okay. And that's again, that's that's only after first 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 viewing. I I definitely want to see. Next step is to watch the director's cut because yeah. holy shit, if there's a scene of young Lucas and uh, they do a little bit better job, or maybe give that third act. It's not even a third act. Like that 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 uh, snitching montage is just kind of like an extended denouement of like how this stuff. Because you don't, you know, stories about finding Frank and putting him in jail. Mm-hmm. But they wanted to, you know, make it bigger than that, and you know, pay homage to what actually happened. I, I don't. It's you could tough. do that with just a wall of text at the end, though, right? Right. Like a lot of these based on true event stories do, which they did on this one as well. They also like, did that, yeah. yeah. So it's like you know, you just do a little extra heavy lifting with it. Uh huh. Um, I don't know because it gets silly sometimes. Like you know, everyone makes fun of the final. Uh, Return of the King, they had like seven different endings where they fade to white or fade to black, and then oh nope, the movie's not over. Um, but <laughs> I think I w- you, sh- I think somebody should film a movie where it's like a twenty-minute movie within an hour of text telling you what happened afterward. <laughs> <laughs> we ran out of money to film the, <laughs> right. the last two acts. Feature so here's, film. Here's how it would go with some storyboards. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you once again, Josh. Uh, congratulations to you and your uh, your your newlywed wife, Jessica. Hope you're uh, in the fifty percent of us that are happily married and not winding into fifty percent that just waits for <laughs> the, the sweet release of death. Wow, that's uh, that's mm. good. Hey, fifty fifty is pretty good odds. Pretty good odds to to yeah. to, to when you when you're, you're you're betting your future happiness. Because I, I'm digging myself in a deeper <laughs> hole. Uh, <laughs> I, have, I have nothing to contribute. I've never been married. So, so. you're 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 one of the you're the holdout. I think of yeah. all of my friends because my buddy Nick got married last year. Oh shit! Yeah, I think you're the last one that I've been like I would consider a friend that has as has been single low these many years. Huh. So right. cheers, cheers to the to the last holdout. Yeah, I suppose so. It's not a bad life. Last, last man standing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad life. Uh, all right, we got to get out of here. Um, thanks again, Josh from Saxbaha, for commissioning this. I wouldn't have seen it otherwise, yeah. and it was it was a great experience. So, congratulations. Enjoy your honeymoon, and we will see you on the next commission.